I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Cinematic Universe, the comic book movie podcast that avoided talking about Captain Marvel for almost as long as the cast of Shazam. I'm Joe Cunningham and joining me to help make sense of the comics behind the movies are... So Patrick and James Hunt. We will skip the latest comic book movie and TV news and instead dive into our, to begin with, spoiler-free thoughts on David F. Sandberg's 2019 movie Shazam. We'll then take a quick break before diving into our full-on spoiler-filled discussion. But before any of that, I'm going to ask Seven James to tell me something I don't know about kids who turn into superheroes. Because this is not a... Captain Marvel Shazam specific thing, right? This used to be a, a comics trope. Um I mean <laughs> if it's if it's a comics trope, it's one that originates with Captain Marvel. I was gonna say so, <laughs> there are a few characters who do it, but they're all ripoffs of Captain Marvel, right? Yeah, because Captain Marvel's been around since like I I I, I apologise, right, on this podcast I will inadvertently say Captain Marvel quite a lot. Uh, because I've been used to the character being Captain Marvel for a long time. I think uh, I think we can both agree that any time we say Captain Marvel during this discussion, yeah. we mean the character who is currently called Shazam, who was called Captain Marvel, you know, for like fifty years. Um, but but the point is, yeah, he first appeared in like nineteen forty. So uh, there aren't many superheroes that predate him, like mm. pretty much Superman. And the whole point is that he's—I mean, he's not actually a Superman ripoff, but legally he was considered to be one, and that's what got it got everything into the whole mess that it got into. Um, so the popularity of Captain Marvel in the 40s, and he was the most popular superhero then, is I think the reason why kids transforming into superheroes probably became something of a trope. I mean, I don't know, um, I'm trying to think of other examples other than one really obvious one. Uh, Banana Man. <laughs> Banana <laughs> Man, yeah, Banana Man is my, obvious, That is my uh... point of reference. <laughs> right, okay, so there's, there's Banana, Banana Man, there's a, a very Marvel Man. Marvel ripoff, yeah. Um... Prime from the Ultraverse. Yeah, basically all the British ones. Yeah, and obviously Miracle Man, who was yeah. just Marvel Man. So there's a few. Which is which is which is a whole other level of confusing that we don't need to get into right now. Yeah, not well, right now. You say that, but I mean, this—if we're ever going to get into it, you know, this is the episode to do it. Surely, I'll tell you something you don't know about kids that transform into superheroes. Have you have you read Miracle Man? Or um, Marvel Man. I- a bit of it, I think. I think I read maybe the first six issues. Ah, uh, so you would know then what his magic word, what his equivalent of Shazam was. Oh, I can't was, remember. It was Kimoto, which was atomic spelled backwards. Oh. Um, do you know... Well, you do know because we've just talked about it off mic. I was going to say, do you know <laughs> what Freddie Freeman's word to turn into Captain Marvel Jr. was? Oh, no, it's fine. I wasn't listening to you guys talk. <laughs> I, was, I was writing the script. <laughs> okay. Do you know what Freddie Freeman's word to turn into Captain Marvel Jr. was? Was it Captain Marvel Jr.? It was Captain Marvel. Oh, right. <laughs> well, I guess Captain Marvel Jr. would have also done the trick. 
Yes, <laughs> just yeah, but he could have, you know, what's, he would have. What's well, his word now? would have been drowned out by the lightning. What's his word? Uh, they now? all just they all say Shazam now. Okay. The, the new Shazam family all all say Shazam. Yeah, makes and sense. And what and what do they call each other? They don't have. They don't really have superhero names, except I believe that uh, Eugene has been referred to as Marvel Boy. But that's right. probably like as a previous version, maybe. So uh, if, if if Superman was like flying along and was like, "Hey, hey, Billy Batson," what would he say? <laughs> would he, well, no, would he, he would be like, Shazam. "Hey, Shazam"? Okay, so 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 Shazam is Shazam. That is officially the character's name. Um, it it obviously uh, you know we won't get into the whole history, but I think everybody is is loosely aware of the fact that. Captain Marvel predates the existence of Marvel Comics, but because Captain Marvel wasn't being published when Marvel became big in the 60s, Marvel capitalised on that by creating their Captain Marvel, Nova... Uh, Nova? <laughs> Marvel. Um, and uh, so then when DC bought the rights to the character of Captain Marvel from the company that they had sued out of existence back in the 40s, <laughs> um, they, could, they were allowed to call the character Captain Marvel. They've always been allowed to use the name of the character... Um, but they couldn't use the word Marvel on the front cover of a comic, so the comics were always called things like "The Power of Shazam." Yeah, was um, it? They had the copyright, but not the trademark, so they yes, couldn't sell comics yeah. called Captain Marvel, but they could use the character but Captain they could Marvel. Use the character name, yeah. Mm. Um, and so, the, so they weren't forced to do it, but basically, when they got to 2011, 2012, and they were doing the New Fifty Two reboot, they basically took that as an opportunity because they were scrubbing the history anyway to say, well, let's just say that his name has always been Shazam all along. Um, so, so yeah, Billy Batson's superhero alter ego is called Shazam. Um, the rest of the Shazam family, the thing about them is, like, there was a Shazam run um, at the start of the New 52, done by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank, and then they kind of went away for a while. They sort of, they appeared as like a, a backup strip in Justice League, and then they didn't really do anything with them for years, and then they've brought them back now... Um, obviously with the film being out. But that again, that series is quite new. And so they've only really reached a point where those characters have only really just started to become those characters. Um, so they right. don't really have uh, like superhero names. So, it, right. It's weird, right, that these two movies have ended up coming out in it cinemas really a month apart. Because it, I know that Hollywood sometimes <laughs> does it where there are, like, competing projects and you can get to line first. But this is this is not that. I mean, this has come about from Marvel planning a Captain Marvel movie, which, because of the Spider-Man deal, got pushed back two years. And then DC were planning a Black Adam movie, then brought in a different creative team, then decided to actually do Black Adam and Shazam as kind of like two separate movies. Um, and despite The Rock having been cast in that Black Adam role for mm-hmm. five, six years now, I think it is. And yeah. then, yeah, they end up in cinemas a month apart. It's just it's just freaky. I just really feel for all of the fans, all the new younger fans uh, discovering space for the first time and getting really confused by that line where Tim says that that Captain Marvel says Shazam. <laughs> that was a good <laughs> reference if you remember not very well known bits from space. <laughs> Captain Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> when they're playing yes. Scrabble and he plays the word Shazam and he says Captain Marvel says it. That's niche. Wasted. Well, of course it's niche. Have you listened to this <laughs> podcast? <laughs> 
We normally cut those bits out, Seb. <laughs> um, okay, let's um, let's actually talk about the movie. Uh, so we'll we'll start off with our spoiler-free thoughts uh, to begin with, and um, and uh, and then yeah, we'll 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 get into the spoilers because um, I think uh, we were all pretty surprised by how much spoilery stuff there is that we're going to be able to get to. Um, so that will be fun. Uh, but let's start off, and let's start off with, um, you know, the the thing that I like to do on these episodes quite a bit, which is start off with where it fits in your rankings. So, Jamon <laughs> Hounsou superhero movies, where does it rank? Of all superhero movies, or just... No, just just the one starring Jamon Hounsou. <laughs> I, I don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> he, James, plays the wizard Shazam, and he was also in Aquaman. As one of the fishy people, and he's Korath in Guardians of the Galaxy, and and Captain, and Marvel. Captain Marvel. Jimon Hounsou has been in both the Captain Marvel and Shazam movies, which is such a wonderful pub quiz question. <laughs> and he's been two different people in the DCEU. Yeah, yeah, in, extremely in, confusing in the guy. Last three or four months. Yeah. There are there are other actors. Um, I I haven't seen, uh, still haven't seen Aquaman yet because I'm waiting for it to come out on home release, and we're going to do that episode. Um, I. Don't know where it sits uh, in relation to the other <laughs> Captain Marvel. It's very close between the two of them. I but think I like them for it's different a reasons. It's a comfortable third, although I think <laughs> there are things about this movie that are. Are we still better talking than... about the Jim and Houndsuit rankings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are things about this movie that are better than the Marvel Captain Marvel. Like, it's more coherent yeah. aesthetically. Um. I mean, I, 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 obviously, what you were obviously doing there was doing a bait and switch with the assumption that we'd be placing this in DCEU rankings. The DCEU rankings are too easy. It's not, an, yeah, it's not an interesting <laughs> question, is it? Because I mean, again, this is—I have still haven't seen Aquaman, but without having seen Aquaman, it's comfortably top. Oh, what you—you you think this is comfortably the top DC? I oh, know. You think this is better Wonder than Wonder Guardians? <laughs> wait, no, we're, we've gone off Charmon Hansu now. Okay. <laughs> Now that James has figured out who Jaron Hounsou is, no, I'd just forgotten about Wonder Woman. Uh, no, yes. it's not. It's not better than Wonder Woman. Although I, I, I actually don't. Maybe it's not that far off. No, it probably is a bit far. Off. Oh, yeah, it's it's comfortably the best DCEU film that isn't Wonder Woman. By which I mean it's comfortably the second best DCEU. Yeah, film. I would agree with that. Yeah, I. Um, I mean, uh, that, the, the rankings for that, which I, which again, uh, kind of like the Spider Man rankings. For me, it's like I I don't even really have to think about it too much. It's Wonder Woman, then Shazam, then Aquaman, then Man of Steel, then Batman v Superman, then Justice League, then Suicide Squad. But I mean, there's a there's a big <laughs> gap between the top three and the bottom four. There, <laughs> that sounds about right. Except with Man of Steel lower, obviously. <laughs> uh, you're still way too harsh on that movie. Um, yeah, and do you, know, do you know what, guys? I I think it's a better movie than captain marvel i i, I, I kind yeah. of i i i kind of do and i don't know whether that is because i i i do wonder now when i when i go into those mcu movies because i know what to expect if they don't deliver something more which i think for all that captain marvel has stuff to enjoy in, in it and there's some good thematic stuff running through it it is it is a little bit messy. It is a little bit incoherent at times, and 
Shazam was a bit of a breath of fresh air. I just I just had a lot of fun with it and it felt like something different and different in superhero movies is good. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, it I might not be better. I just I enjoyed you... myself more. I think it is better, but I enjoyed myself less, I think is the the way I'm coming at this. It's like, I was watching this going like, yeah, it's really well made with a few tweaks. It could be a five, probably a five-star movie. I'm not sure I care. But, you know, I did I did really like it. I don't know whether it's a better film than Captain Marvel because it might just be that I have got gotten used to that Marvel stuff and kind of taking it for granted a little bit. But this was different and it was fun. And, um, and, I, and I think just really, really competently put together. I think I think it does share with Captain Marvel uh, an issue in that the there are sections in the opening act or, or even half that aren't reflective of of how good it becomes. Like 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 Captain Marvel, I think it gets better and better as it goes on. Um, oh, I disagree. I I was having the time of my life with this movie before any superhero had showed up. I just think it has a real, and this might be something where. To play the parent card, I mean, you know, you are the imminent parent card, but the, <laughs> I think both, obviously both James and I, you know, our, our kids are too young for this just yet, but I think we start to look at these kind of films a little bit more with the question of where, where does the suitability begin? Mm-hmm. And this film through almost entirely throughout is perfect for like eight year olds and up, I think, and is pitched really well to be a, a film that like eight to 12 year olds particularly will really enjoy. Except that in the first half an hour or so, there's one particular scene and a couple of other moments that are completely at odds tone wise with the rest of the film. And that's where I feel that while I'm not saying the film's not enjoyable, I think the film, I don't think it's fully defined what it is for the entirety of the film. I think it's only after a certain point that it kicks into being what it is. And once it hits that point, it's it's confident in exactly what it's doing and hits just about every mark that it needs to, with maybe there's there's one kind of exception that it doesn't quite do very well as well as the rest of it, uh, which is the villain, basically. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I think it's just that. that I just think the tone is wobbly to start with. So it's a different mm. reason for why I... Marvel struggled to find its feet, but I think it's it has the same effect of... I wasn't sure about the film up to a certain point, whereas in both cases, by the end of the film, where I came out of it was, I can't wait to see more of these characters. I mean, I, I don't think this is a film for eight-year-old kids. <laughs> I don't, I, like... Yeah, this I think is that, the thing, right? I, I think it, With... has the, it has the trappings that it, that it almost feels like it's going to be. But this is a film for your kind of standard, like, 13-year-old and up, t- like... Uh, superhero audience i do i do think it could have like if they'd cut a couple of scenes or been a slightly more ambiguous about some of it it could have been comfortably an all ages film Mm. like they really it's got a few swears and it but it yeah but that's it i I don't think it wants to be and like it it is i don't know it has it has some scary stuff in there i think it's more playing on like nostalgia for those kind of movies i think it's more tipping its hat to adults in the audience who can remember this kind of film when they were younger, but it's still for them. I don't know. Do you know I mean, it? so much of it is is just nailing the tone of those, like, 80s kind of kids' films. Like, I remember Joe Cornish saying when when he made The Kid Who Would Be King, like, oh, you know, you don't get mm. these, these kind of movies mm. aimed at kids anymore. They're all, like, four-quadrant things. 
and he was trying to make that movie. Shazam is one of those movies, except for the fact that it's got a bunch of swearing in and like a couple of ludicrously violent moments. Like it reminded me, I'm trying to think of like, it reminded me of like adventures in babysitting and stuff. And, and you know, obviously big, like those kind of movies. And with a couple of cuts, it could have been one. Yeah, I, no, I, I, I think you're right. But what the impression I got is that it, it didn't want to be one. I kind it of, was, I feel it, like, mm, <laughs> I feel like that's... No, I think it does. I feel like that's Warner's sort of general tone problem. Like the DCEU's sort of tone problem, if anything. Yeah. I mean, it starts off with some pretty, like, creepy stuff. Yeah. And, and like, there are, there's there's some dark stuff in there. Yeah, um, that's what I mean. But But I think that stuff has gone away later in the film. Yeah, that, certainly you don't get much. When I think you don't get as many better. beheadings in the second half of the film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that that scene, we'll, we'll get to that in the spoilers. Um, but uh, so it sounds like we're all pretty positive. Yeah, I've yeah, had a yeah. good time with it. It's, yeah, it's, it's 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 too long. Uh, it's longer than it needs, and it's not too long in a sense of I didn't feel bored. I just think it's longer mm. than it needs to be. Uh, and yeah, it 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 wastes Mark Strong completely because it doesn't let him have fun at any point it just doesn't make the villain at all fun uh but apart from that you know really enjoyable and you, you know to, i mean this isn't a spoiler because you know it's just an opinion generally about the film i think the, the big takeaways for me was just how good zachary levy is <laughs> um i think he's i just think every single moment that he's on screen i i, I enjoyed it was he was just so much fun and I he mean... was having so much fun he was just think he was perfect casting for this i'd always thought and i'm sure i've said this on the podcast before that if you were making a captain marvel slash shazam movie about 15 years ago it's brendan fraser and mm. and he got, i mean actually i think he goes more comedy than i would expect from brendan fraser but he yeah he just totally like nailed this well the oh, the thing i was going to say is that the the two like the main two kids uh Ash, i've looked this up asha angel and jack <laughs> dylan grazer I Asher thought Angel were good. both Jack Dylan amazing. Is, he is fantastic. Right, yeah. like the comic a, timing a on that kid is, yeah, it's so good. He's one of those where you think you're you're going to be seeing him in stuff for for a while after this. Yeah, I hope, like, I hope that's that's the case because I just thought he, well, he he's was, got such natural comic chops. He was in it last year as well, um, and will be in will will be in it chapter two as well. So yeah, he's already. He's already on that path. Um, I, I will say, I think, yeah, Jack Dylan Gray is, a, is brilliant. I think Asher Angel is fine. Yeah. He kind of, he, he kind of has a he, he has a thing that he does, and he does it the whole way through. There isn't a huge amount of modulation. And I think that most of the, the strong emotional stuff with that character happens when it's Zachary Levy rather than Asher Angel. Mm. But he's fine. He's he's fine, and he's a he's a handsome young man. Who I'm sure <laughs> will equ- will equally have a have a decent career in front of him. Um, yeah, should we get into spoilers? Because there's loads I want to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so let's let's take a listen to the trailer for the movie, and we will be back with our spoiler filled discussion of Shazam. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Daily Bats. I choose you. As Jake. Say my name so my powers will become yours. Wait, for real? Say it, okay? Say my name. Right? What are your superpowers? Superpowers, dude? I don't even know how to pee in this thing. This is proof of authenticity. Super strength. Electricity manipulation. Hyperspeed. I'd like to purchase some of your finest beer, please. Sparkle fingers. No, it's not. It's not my. That's not my name. Chosen one. Oh, you're like a bad guy, right? You literally did the opposite of what a superhero is supposed to do. You're him. You're the hero. You're welcome for not getting robbed. I'm Batman. Get him, Batman. How old are you? Basically, fifteen. Electrocuted a bus and almost killed these people. And then I caught it! And leave tall buildings in a single bound. <laughs> okay, guys, before uh, before we um kind of get into all the mechanics, can we talk about the thing that I've just wanted I've been wanting to talk about since I got out of the film? I think I can guess what it is, but go on, yeah. I, I I cannot tell you the the kind of it was this double wave of like in, excitement and enjoyment where I was like, oh my god, this is perfect for the film, but also I'm getting like a Justice League mortal 
<laughs> is being reassembled in front of my eyes. There is Adam Brody. Finally, Seth Cohen is finally go- getting to play a, a superhero. And it's and, the and most amazing casting because it was like, yeah. I-, I watched this with um, my wife. Oh, I haven't done that for a while. Um, and she, um, <laughs> she said like, it was almost creepy how similar they were. She was like, how did they do that? Like it was, <laughs> it, it felt odd. And then when I realized that it was DJ Katrona, um, as well, who was obviously, yeah, so the, the Flash and Superman that would have been in yeah. George Miller's Justice League Mortal, I was like, oh, this, this is, this is lovely. <laughs> It was. I mean, this is why it's so frustrating that it's. But it's not. I, I think it's great that the film has kept this part of it secret. I mean, other than the fact that some toys came out, and I think we talked about those on a, on a news minisode that some toys suggested that they were going to do it, and I'd had this feeling that they were going to do it, but it was going to be the very very end of the film, and that you would see just like generic actors as as the the Shazam family. So for them to turn up as early as they did. And for it to be as big a part of the film, and for them to have got that casting so, so utterly perfect. He's so much like him. It's unbelievable. But we can't talk about it because it's one of the most fun (laughs) things of the film that people don't know that it does this. (laughs) And it really has been really difficult not to talk about how, you know, among the many great films, the great things that this film does, casting Adam Brody as, as the older Freddy is just brilliant. I was going to say, just for anyone who isn't listening, we're talking about the fact that the, the, kids in the kids in the orphanage turn into the adult versions of the marvel family yeah (laughs) so uh let's go through it so mary um become well michelle borth is the so right this would be mary marvel right that's mary marvel yeah but although if you look on imdb it is superhero mary Um, (laughs) superhero dala is megan good um, Freddie, who I Adam don't Brody. know, but she was excellent at playing Darla in an adult body. Mm. Like her, her kind of delivery and, and mannerisms of being Darla, I thought were excellent. Yeah, I, I mean, Megan Good, she has been a big star on US TV for <laughs> more like uh, Megan uh, Great, uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and then who else have we got? So yeah, DJ, DJ Catrona as he was Pedro. Uh, Pedro and then Ross Butler as Eugene. Uh, <laughs> Ross Butler, who will be familiar as uh, original Reggie on Riverdale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, until he left to be a, a regular on 13 Reasons Why. Um, but uh, so I there's mean, only one of those that's disappointing. <laughs> I mean, we, yes. we, but, but I mean, we've jumped to the end of the film. Do we want to talk about that now? Oh, yeah, no, let's. Your... Well, yeah, because let's... I, you know, I, I, I like the character of Mary Marvel anyway, um, because generally she gets used as... A, because she's just... I mean, she's basically the most, like, innocent, goody-goody character in all of DC while also being incredibly powerful. And that can be used to comic effect really well, particularly in the formerly known as the Justice League miniseries, because in that, which is about getting the old Justice League International back together, um, they try to get Captain Marvel, and he says no, because of how unhappy he was for the entire time he was on the team, and Mary Marvel, who's with him at the time when he rejects them, is like, oh, this sounds fun, I'm going to join instead. And, like, her, like, naive innocence is is played as a counterpoint to the, you know, comedy and cynicism of the rest of the team really well. And there's various other things that she's popped up in that she's been really good in, so... I like the character anyway, and then in the film, 
I really liked Mary as a character. She, I mean, she was the most developed outside of Freddy of the other characters. I she is played by really Grace Grace Fulton, who was yeah. in um, Annabelle Creation, one of David F. Sandberg's previous movies. And and also, you know, she's basically an adult. I mean, at that point, you know, she's about yeah. to go to college. But the actress is like in her early twenties. I don't see why she couldn't have feasibly played the adult version of it. Because actually, again, in the comics, Billy transforms into an adult um, Captain Marvel. But in the comics, Mary looks the same when she transforms into Mary Marvel. So there's precedent for that as well. But instead, they cast somebody who is of of a similar age to all of the others. So she's like, she's around 40, I think. And I think all the other actors are, well, actually, no, um, uh, uh, your uh, thingy Reggie must be younger, but yes, yeah. um, the others are all kind of approaching 40. So they've obviously done that deliberately to make them similar age to um, uh, Zachary Levy. Um, but I just, you know, they've, they've cast somebody. And then I don't think Mary has a line of dialogue. And it's like, it's, it's she's the really character weird. you were most looking forward to getting to become a superhero because she kind of earned it over the film, other than Freddy, obviously. It's um, just it's just strange because... And it's like they just shunt her into the background because they're having yeah. more fun with the other ones. Well, I'm not even sure it's that. Because I, I was like squinting for the first two or three minutes going, is it? Yeah, is it the is same actress? Because she didn't is even it? get like no? a close-up. Yeah, yeah, and then and then I'm like thinking, we've seen the is it Dala? We've seen Dala like five, six times, yeah. and she's got a bunch of hero moments. I I do and actually think Mary that didn't get scene anything to do was has been quite cut around because there's a really glaring jump, um, which is that the two bullies are on the Ferris wheel when it's about to come crash into the ground. And that everything is obviously set up for Freddy to rescue them, but you never see it happen. You just uh, you cut to no, you do. No, you, you do. do see it happen. Do yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. It just Maybe he really... carries them but off, d- and he says something about a wedgie, about oh, suitcase wedgie. Yeah. How did I miss that? <laughs> All right. Well, okay. That's just me not paying attention because I was expecting a moment where he would do that. He would save them, and he would make some kind of flippant remark. I yeah, yeah that's, it that's what happens. <laughs> All right. Either cut that bit or leave it in to make me look stupid. But either way, even when I'm watching out for something, I managed to miss it. Okay, well, ignore yeah. that. But I just, but that made me feel like that scene had maybe been cut around, but obviously that's not the case, so I'll shut up. No, I won't because <laughs> it's this podcast. Um, um, but yeah, I, I thought I thought the... I thought the arrival of the family, the superhero family, was... Lovely, because that's what that's what the film sets up. Basically, yeah. thematically, this is all about family, and you know they literally say the like that they keep they keep saying like lines, which you're sure that like these have been scribbled on the top of every page of the scripts. Like, oh, you know, when he when he calls it home, that'll be when when he actually it actually is home to him. And uh, there's another there's another line which I think he says about uh, it's when he's talking to Mary. Um, and he says, "Oh, you." Uh, he says something like, "Families are just there to to hold you back from looking after yourself, or something like that." Mm-hmm. And and it's just this, the 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 film sets it up early. Keeps I mean, it's coming not back to it. With it no, no, not not that. not at all. <laughs> and the same with uh, the same with Savannah having Thad having his his own uh, family issues. Mm. Just as soon as as soon as I saw what the movie was setting up thematically, I was like, "Oh no, we!" And then you see the seven the seven chairs, and I'm like, yeah. "Oh no, we are getting that family before the end." It was <laughs> exactly as you said, Seb. Just a question of, are we going to get to see them, 
or is it going to be like an Ant-Man and the, uh, an Ant-Man style? There's a picture of the wasp in the background, mm. but you can't see her face. When like, I knew I did, they were going to do it was when they started separating out the sins, and it was like, okay, so you are going to have the all of the sins separately that all need defeating one by one. In which mm. case, <laughs> although that's happen. also they, the all hands on deck thing had set it up quite nicely. I mean, well. they quite they quite didn't. <sighs> This is one of the problems is that the the stuff they're actually fighting against is taking a, a sort of second second fiddle to the thematic concerns. So hmm. the villain in this is really weak and the the yeah. sort of the seven sin stuff is really weak. Like right down to the CG being sort of half finished. Yeah. <laughs> it was Although, like really? You did, just yeah, you didn't want this... them moving their lips when they talked. The the best thing about the villain is is his own family issues and the other best bit of surprise casting that I didn't know about beforehand, which is that in the opening scene of this movie, uh, you've got John Glover for the second time playing the shithead father of a bald DC Comics supervillain. <laughs> <laughs> and I love John Glover, so I was absolutely delighted. Not only was I delighted that he turned up, I was delighted that he turned out not to be dead after the car crash, so we got a second scene with him in. And he is just, he's literally playing Lionel Luther. He's playing like exactly the same character. And it doesn't I, matter, know, I was great. <laughs> and I was I was kind of like trying to figure out the ages and stuff because I was like, well, you know, when he turns back up, you're like, yeah, and he looks exactly the same. But yeah. it's like and I was years like, later, yeah, but but then you are like, but he does convince us in his in his thirties at the start, yeah, and he and he and he is seventy four years old, so I think that's probably you know. It, it's probably fair enough. It's just. I, th- I think at the start, you're, there's, there's a level of willing suspension of disbelief for him being in his 30s, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, I actually thought, so, and this, this helps us get way back to the beginning, uh, because we open on. I almost thought to begin with that, like, they were going to be. They were, like, pastiching the whole DC thing, because it opens up yeah. dark and there's. <laughs> um, storm clouds and stuff and you pan down to the car and i and i thought oh is this like a piss take of the dc eu tone and then and then they're going to start to have some fun with it uh but it's not it's, it's 1974 and thaddeus savannah is in his car with his with his shithead dad and his shit brother um <laughs> and um i was actually i was really enjoying the setup with the kid because I, 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 I thought it did a great job of like establishing some of the rules of this universe, some of the stuff that's going on. Um, it, it gives you a good insight into this is a guy who isn't like totally pure of heart, but also what, what he says when he reencounters the wizard. I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I thought when I was watching the first scene, which is <laughs> this is an absolutely horrendous way to talk to a kid like you will never be good enough yeah. so go off and deal with that for the rest of your life like no surprise <laughs> he turned into a villain right yeah and well and and so i was like oh i, I kind of i kind of get it um and, and like because that that young kid as well like he's kind of sweet and he is the victim and like he almost like that. That kid in the back of the car yeah. is a Roald Dahl hero, isn't he? Yeah, like, <laughs> he's like he's a he's quite nice. He's just got a bit of a dark streak where you know the people who've abused him, he sort of wants revenge on. Like, yeah, fair enough, I guess. Yeah. So I so I really liked all that stuff, but you are right that Mark Strong 
I mean, I quite again, I, I kind of liked the opening couple of scenes with him before he got the powers. Mm. But then after he gets the powers, he doesn't. There's, there's he nothing doesn't really seem to want him. anything, does he? He's just like, I'm going to defeat the champion. Yeah, because he's, that's just, what he's been told, told to he's got to defeat Shazam, and that's that's it. And he's just doing that. And it's yeah. like there's not even a oh, I'm going to take over the world kind of scheming about him. And it's just you know, and it's the you, and thing you of, as an audience member know he's a patsy. Yeah, for for yeah. the for the sins, and because the sin the sins are so uncompelling, uh, because they are just like what a, a, an ancient evil um, who look like shitty gargoyles. I don't yeah. know. I I, I really I really think it's a misstep as well when you're introducing a new superhero in their first story. They shouldn't be fighting someone who has identical power and power levels to them. It, that just doesn't work because what you need to be seeing is them exploring their powers and the limits of their powers, and up against somebody who is different to from them. It's like it's the difference between Superman fighting Lex Luthor and Superman fighting General Zod. You don't put General Zod in the first film unless you're Zack Snyder. Um, <laughs> you know, you 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 establish Superman first, and you establish the level of Superman's power, and then you bring in someone mm. to surprise him by equaling that. So I to mean... have like you know an hour or so into this film, a big fist fight in the sky between two identically powered characters, that's not what I wanted to see at that point. I saw. Right? I know. I, you, I know you say that, that doesn't. Yeah, I mean, like you've also just described most of the MCU movies. Yeah, like, like Iron Man, no, Iron Man, MCU, Captain, MCU... Captain America, Black mm. Panther. Then they don't Ant Man right. in Black Panther. They are, but it's like <laughs> it's a lot of them. It's they a tend lot to of be them. different in some way, or they're a bigger version, or they're you know. It's like <laughs> I think you've ha- okay. But the thing is that usually comes at the end. It's like this: these fights between the two of them are happening quite early on, and he's still kind of discovering his part. You don't have the thing of. They, you, the audience and the character together discover the powers and use the powers in a certain way, and then they encounter a threat. I it's think, like those final acts of Marvel uh, films are like the, see, the second part. I was going to say, this I don't think it's quite... it's it's what for me it's what James was saying before about like the the action kind of taking a backseat to the thematic issues. I don't like for me it's not about the the two guys CG fighting in the sky. This movie wasn't one that was that I was hoping to deliver on that kind of stuff. It was it was more that as a character I, I, I quite liked that they established Shazam hasn't got his powers figured out yet, so you need to fight him now. And that by the end of the movie he might have his uh, his powers figured out. And it's not that he has his powers figured out, it's by the end of the movie he figures out the family thing. Yeah. And so I mean, he has his, fam- his family has his back. In that sort of second act fight you don't know why they're fighting. They're just wailing on each other and you're sort of like, what do these people want and what does it mean that they're fighting? There's well, nothing no, there. No, I, no but, so you know what Shazam wants and what Billy wants. Billy wants to run away. That's, yeah. that's well, his <laughs> yeah, instinct. Fair. Yeah, and, and, the pro- and, and you know what Savannah wants. Savannah wants Shazam's power. It's just not, it's just not that interesting a desire. Oh, I want to He's take the power off you. Why? It. Yeah, why? Because these gargoyles want it. Yeah, and and there there is this kind of like that pass off line, isn't it? That like his dad, he says to his dad, "Oh, you think this is power? No, this this what I've got right now is power." Um, 
so that is his that's his want his need his desire but it's just very very thinly sketched out <laughs> much like the character is for you know the entire back half of the film <laughs> yeah well i mean then he just uh, <laughs> i couldn't i couldn't stop thinking about and... mark strong in kickass <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's just like remember when he was a villain in that other film and at least that guy had a personality yeah That's and the there thing. he is, I, you know, I lo- I there he is in a boardroom and people are getting thrown out of out of windows and yeah. you're, you're thinking yeah <laughs> <laughs> what this yeah. what this needs is to stop someone to rise up on a jetpack i was yeah. literally waiting the whole film to see if they did a jetpack joke but obviously too niche <laughs> yeah mark strong he's not had the best luck of best of luck with dc villains has he <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> considering how perfect Mark Strong is for a DC villain, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, you know, they've they've tried their hardest by casting him as a, a bald uh, business magnate scientist with daddy issues, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there I are, actually, there are I like him as ways I think which, he's he's I, I, good as Sinestro, right? We like him as Sinestro. It's, it's just that it's, it's an awful movie. Yeah. I mean, I actually sort of the the way that they kind of turned Savannah into a more Lex Luthery character in some ways in this. It's sort of I I wanted to say in the earlier section when we were talking about how this kind of compares to other uh, DCEU films, but I thought it might be taken the wrong way and give away a spoiler um, that this is the best Superman movie in the DCEU so far. <laughs> um, and I don't mean it's the best movie in which Superman appears, although it is. Mm. Um, <laughs> But it is also, I, I just, I was watching this, I was firstly thinking this feels like a more enjoyable Superman movie in terms of how Zachary Levy is playing the character of Shazam. Um, although also, that's part of why I enjoyed the very end so much was, I spent a lot of this film thinking I would love to see this character interacting with Superman. I, li- I literally, like, while this film was happening, I kept thinking of that scene from, I forget, uh, it's a Justice League comic, I think, Um the one where where Superman encounters Captain Marvel and like he tells him the truth and shows him he's a kid and he just goes like who did this to you? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's um, I think it's Superman Shazam First Thunder, the mm-hmm. one that Josh Middleton drew. That's yeah. the one. Because like that's such a nice moment and you can yeah. you can completely imagine this like you know this childlike you know light touch guy and Superman being like who the hell is this Joker? Oh wait, it's a kid. Like who did this? Mm. and like i really i i really hope we get to see that properly somehow like i don't know don't know well, what dc fans are going forward but well if... i think I, I think the end of this film makes very very clear that henry cavill's never playing superman again. <laughs> <laughs> apparently let's, he was scheduling how hard would it have been but... to get him in for that moment it according, would not according have been to that stuff that i read on the internet it was purely a scheduling issue <laughs> which sounds like no, lies it's... No, yeah. this was, we talked about this in the time of the podcast. This was around the time. I think it was the, the rumors that Superman would be showing up in Shazam were about a month before the, the, the news story broke about Henry Cavill not coming back. And then, you know, then him tweeting stuff or was it an Instagram post that kind of intimated the opposite? And it seemed like, as we were saying at the time, contract negotiations playing out in public. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't get him in this movie, but they kept the gag. Um, <laughs> and they kept the suit. <laughs> well, they kept the suit. And it, right? I'll tell you what so they didn't keep, it's, though. It's weird, right, that he walks on the screen. It, it, he walks on. It is 
deliberately not showing his face. But mm. then also I was like, and you can't convince me that that's Henry Cavill in the suit because the body looks too small. <laughs> well, it was apparently it was Zachary Levy's stunt double. Um, right. But you know, the other thing they don't keep, which I actually didn't twig until the closing credits, uh, they use the John Williams music. Yes, <laughs> yeah, they did, yeah. yeah. Which I wasn't, I wasn't really listening out for it, so I didn't really notice that. But th- I, that feels to me... I don't know why, but even more so than not showing, than not having Henry, Henry Cavill and not showing his face, that feels to me like such a conscious choice. And, and didn't that feels they do to that in Justice League as well about though. the future of? Did they? Did they? Because they used, they definitely used Danny Elfman's Batman theme at some point. I'm sure that they kind of mixed in both. Yeah, maybe. But I think there were still definitely hints of the previous the Man, the Man of Steel theme. I think. Yeah, I'm probably, sure you yeah. get the, the, the Man of Steel theme in there as well, which, you know, I've, I've talked about at the time, is, is a good Superman theme as well, the Hans Zimmer one. Uh, but that just, yeah, it just feels to me, it feels like shifting towards a more familiar version of Superman um, as, a, as a presence in that universe. <laughs> Maybe they just couldn't show his face because he still had the moustache. <laughs> Well, that would have been the best thing if it was Henry Cavill with the moustache. That would have been a great guy. <laughs> oh, I'm not actually. I'm not actually sure on my Justice League thing now because J- Danny Elfman did the score, didn't he? So it would make sense that he oh, right. <laughs> brought his. Yeah, and also but, like Affleck's Batman doesn't have a theme, so that is that is also true. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I think yeah, I think that probably confirms that Henry Cavill isn't coming back, but. There's a lot of DC universe stuff in this movie, um, mm. and I and I'd I'd love to get into this stuff with you because they said so that uh, Freddy is a big Superman and Batman, and at the end of the movie, Aquaman fan. Well, he's got he's got I, the merch for these characters, and there are. Can I ask you guys a question and, about that last point? Actually, yeah, because I've I haven't seen Aquaman yet, so something that I don't know is. How known is the existence of Aquaman as a superhero to the world? Like, does Aquaman's story take place around and concern just the people of Atlantis, or is it a global thing where everyone would know who Aquaman is? I think he's definitely known to the public. Because, I mean, I know, I appreciate, obviously, I'm not kind of raising a quibble of the fact that, like, because Freddy's obviously a superhero nerd, and and if there are people who would know of the existence of Aquaman, he would be one of them. So I'm No, but he's got a branded (laughs) t-shirt. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I'm not raising it as a quibble. I'm raising it as a, was this scene shot hurriedly after the success of Aquaman being greater than anyone anticipated? Because there's no other reference to Aquaman in the main body of the film. I know, there is. And I have a feeling... He's wearing an Aquaman t-shirt at one point, and then at the end... Is he wearing it? I thought he's just wearing it in the post credits. I don't remember no, seeing no, no. it before then. Definitely in the middle of the film, he's wearing a big sort of uh, Aquaman A okay. T-shirt. Uh, see, I'm just missing. Things. <laughs> I was going to say, were you were like half asleep during this film. I was. I, I mean, was, I, I, I missed that. To be I was fair. distracted by worrying about the Liverpool Southampton score. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I, but I, I think the thing is that scene to me just feels like, oh shit, Aquaman made a billion dollars. We'd better acknowledge it after all. <laughs> what by taking the piss out of it? <laughs> Well, yeah, but you can take the piss out of it because everyone knows what it is. So. Well, that, that, that to me felt like they the cut stuff. that scene and then just wanted to to throw it in at the end as a like mm, maybe. Break. As I say, I I, I I can't judge it based on what happens in Aquaman in terms of how Aquaman relates to the world. No, it just they... felt to me like in a like a later edition. 
but aren't they all? They're all visible from Justice League, right? All of those heroes. Are they though? Depends what you mean by visible, doesn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, you can be having a fist fight in the middle of Philadelphia or whatever without anyone really knowing what's going on. I think the thing is, is that Aquaman doesn't really stick around at the end. It's not like he's sort of, you know, it's not like they all emerge and then there's a big press conference. It's like, unless you were there, you wouldn't know that there was a guy calling himself Aquaman. If he does even ever call yeah, himself Aquaman. Yeah, I'm pretty Aquaman. sure there are, there are bits where he's public enough that you can believe people would know who he is. Mm. Do, I mean, does it matter? That's the, that's the other question. Like, the well, concept no, of a DCEU I, I, no, I'm just, has I'm been just basically abandoned, how, right? But that's why I'm interested in how they're using it, because... You know, I, I I think it's and that's what I think is interesting about this film is we I've said so many times on this podcast that I think that just now what DC should be doing is concentrating on making these films work individually in their own right and not worry about them being part of a wider universe. Mm-hmm. But the thing about this film is it shows you the fun you can have when you've got a film that's set in a wider universe that exists. It's just like, this film ignores the fact that the wider DCEU is rubbish and hasn't been established (laughs) well, and it pretends that it's in a world where there's a wider DCU that's brilliant and has got all of these characters in it, and and it's the better for it. Like, this is a better film because Freddy is able to make reference to the existence of other superheroes, and that when Shazam is doing his thing, you know that he's not the only superhero. I actually think that that does enhance this film. Um, mm. As I say, ironically, given my previous views on just do them, and that's you know because that's how superhero universes work. You know, mm-hmm. they 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 work when you can you you're not just using them arbitrarily because that's how Marvel do it. You're you're using the best aspects of why they work as a wider populated world. It doesn't mean you have to cross over all the characters. It doesn't mean all the storylines have to run into each other. It's just a sense of a living, breathing superhero world that sits there in the background. And I will say one of the things that I like about the this I would say kind of the post Snyder DC stuff, although Wonder Woman fits into this as well. Um, and I, and I think Seb, you talked about this in the comics about the the way that DC characters are different from Marvel characters. But I like that there is this kind of like even in this silly sillier entry, there is this grandeur of bra- of backstory to all these characters. So Wonder Woman has all of the history of the of the Amazons and, and um, we've got, and, and Atlantis has a history going back thousands of years and that Shazam is, uh, the, the wizard was talking about, you know, thousand year, years of history and then the powers like being the, what was it? The, uh, <laughs> Seb, can you do them the off powers, top of your head? The powers. Yeah. Like go on Seb. <laughs> uh, so it's the wisdom of Solomon, strength of Hercules. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've got them in of front of me now. Atlas, courage of a stamina of Atlas, stamina of Atlas. Okay, yeah, the stamina of Atlas. It's the something of Zeus. I don't the know. powers, just the powers. <laughs> um, what what was Achilles's? I think it's courage, courage of Achilles. Yeah, yeah, courage. Uh, and it's the speed of Mercury, isn't it? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> But I so I, I I like all of that stuff, and I like that they're playing it up because again, it gives them a point of difference. It would be nice actually to see Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel have that conversation now. <laughs> be like, hey, what do you mean, power of Zeus? <laughs> well, you got the power of Midar. <laughs> I mean, uh, we can we can get into this now as well because uh, all of that backstory is kind of given. Well, it's kind of 
it's kind of I, I like the way that they show you like the glimpses of the of the wizard that you get it you get it twice with dad and and grown up savannah um then you get those kind of little hints from the research that savannah's been doing as well to try and track it down and then billy's encounter with shazam um I like how kind of the all of the backstory and the the mythology is peppered in throughout there. That it never feels like you're being really fed exposition, uh, but you kind of are. Um, and and yeah, like I said, I was I was kind of like really into all that history, and because I was tracking years ago the Dwayne Johnson casting, and that he was to begin with deciding whether he wanted to be Shazam or Black Adam, mm. and then he went with Black Adam, and um. Dwayne Johnson's actually credited as an executive producer on this movie. I, I, I was fully expecting to see him post credits, but it didn't happen, unfortunately. Um, but we get that, we get that like little animated, the wizard like animates some of the history of, mm. and that is what it's, it's, he says, what, what, what's he say in the movie that they gave their powers to someone before? but he was driven by revenge and that was what brought the sins into the world. Is that right? Yeah. I, I, did, I don't even remember it getting that specific. <laughs> I thought it was just, we chose badly. He fucked it up. Mm. Um, no, it yeah, was really does, quick. Does say it he was, was driven by revenge. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and because I was like, oh, that's, so that's Black Adam. That's fun. Mm. And yeah, I, I like that that's like, yeah, thousands of years ago, um, what is dating back to ancient Egypt? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And I would, you know, I, I would after, I would like to, I, I would like to see a DC movie that played with this mythology in a serious way as well, mm. because that, because it, it feels like they've got the scope there to do that. I mean, um, it's, it's and, yeah, because I, I do think, you know, this whole thing of like Dwayne Johnson not being sure whether he was going to be Shazam or Black Adam. Dwayne Johnson could have played this Shazam. Yes, uh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, and he's already done the kid in an adult's body <laughs> recently <laughs> himself anyway. Mm. Um, I, I, you know, I'm very glad that we got Zachary Levy because I think he's fantastic, but you can definitely see a version of this film where it's Dwayne Johnson and it's not really that different from what we got. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're not going to get him doing that if he's playing Black Adam. You, 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 can't, you can't play Black Adam as a joke, really. He no, but that's, that's what... As a joke. That's he what I want from serious. Dwayne Johnson. He's in. He's mostly in less serious mode now. Like it, it's, and if he is doing Apart like you're more. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> what what I mean is he's he's kind of in. He's kind of oh, in. Sorry, those. less serious mode. Sorry. Yeah. Yes, he's in that. He's in that action <laughs> comedy he's mode. In serious mode. <laughs> no, no, no. He's in that action comedy yeah, mode exactly, most of yeah. the time. In stuff like Jumanji. Um, and Baywatch. Central and Intelligence. Yeah, and, and well, he does do stuff like Skyscraper and Rampage. Uh, I, I mean, they're, they're, they're like kind of your old school, big, silly blockbusters anyway. Um, I kind of, I've always wanted to see The Rock play a villain. Um, I always thought he'd be an amazing Bond villain. Um, and I think probably if they ended up giving the role that would have worked quite well for him to um, Dave Bautista. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 that's, that's great, and I, I, I would love to, for instance, see at some point if Black Adam's been around for thousands of years. I'd love to see him like butting heads with the Amazonians. 
or with the Atlanteans. Mm-hmm. It feels like there. It feels like there's the scope in this universe to do it. And I and I like that DC are, are starting to figure this out. I like that. I like that they have fun with the idea of having a universe here that Batman and Superman are in, but don't feel <laughs> weighed down by any obligation to those previous movies. I mean, one of the funny things is that they've got this this superhero universe and now Batman and Superman are like sidelined within it because <laughs> like, they've got Wonder Woman, Aquaman and Captain, uh, sorry, Shazam, all of yeah, whom this, are starring this... in like, you know, amazing movies. Or at least it's decent like movies. Not not being able to use Spider-Man and the X-Men <laughs> when they started. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, the thing is, they can use those characters. It's just that they screwed them screwed it up so badly, they they don't know how to anymore. Yeah. Like, no one's stopping them from using Superman, quite evidently from this movie. It's just that they they don't even know who's playing him. Yeah, and they're, and I, they're still going to make a Batman movie, mm-hmm. right? It's just... It's just not going to be Ben Affleck. I mean, we don't know that a hundred percent that Henry Cavill's done. Um, it was never kind of like finalized, was it? Obviously, he's not turned up in this, but I, ju- I, I really do take this as confirmation that he's not because it's a. It just feels like a like a point of principle. It's like it like if I see him as Superman again, and he wasn't in this then I'm like, well, why weren't you in that? Um, it's it's just... Uh... I think it's as much they've got nothing to lose by recasting Henry Cavill at this point, because there's not yeah. like, as much as we like mm-hmm. him, there's not a huge fan base of people going like, oh, we must see another Henry Cavill Superman. Uh, well, except the Zack Snyder people, but <laughs> <laughs> I kind of think like, those vocal Zack Snyder fans are not mm. enough to shift the needle in the box office, right? There's a there's more money to be made from a big Superman reboot where he's suddenly hanging out with Wonder Woman and Shazam and Aquaman. Yeah. Totally. Then there is. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in no doubt that we will get Justice another. Se- I mean, too. the very fact that Superman appears here is not only to me an indication that Henry Cavill won't play him again. It's an indication that these films aren't done with Superman. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, because yeah. you don't have this be the last ever appearance of Superman in these films. <laughs> um, so you know that, as I say, this it really feels to me like them them starting to prep the way for the inevitable recasting and and integrating Superman with the films that are actually successful. You look at what DC are doing recently. I mean, uh, uh, kind of let's let's ignore Justice League because it was just such a weird, weird movie, but. Three of their last four movies are Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Shazam, which are their three best movies. Their follow the, the, the upcoming slate is Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Great. Wonder Woman 1984, a Suicide Squad movie that is being directed by James Gunn and is being completely retooled. Um, potentially uh, still a, ba- a Matt Reeves Batman movie. Potentially still a Flash movie, Aquaman 2, and The Trench. And you forgot Joker. Yes. Which we haven't but talked that, about the trailer for yet. Yeah, <laughs> no, and I'm not sure I'm not sure that well, that's probably not DCEU, is it? But it's it's DC. Um <laughs> True, depends yeah, how much DCEU, money it makes. Yeah. If it makes a billion dollars, <laughs> it will suddenly become DCEU. You can guarantee that. <laughs> like Venom. Just just wait when Jared Leto turns up at the end of the film and kills Arthur. <laughs> More likely the other that's, way around, right? That's Morbius. 
um, but yeah, it's 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 exciting, it's encouraging, and uh, what I enjoyed and what I found myself able to do in this movie was with all of the Superman and Batman references, I wasn't thinking, oh Ben Affleck, oh Henry Cavill, I was just thinking. Yeah, just the idea of Superman, the idea of Batman. It could be any of them. You know, when they showed the Batarang, I was a bit like, isn't that a Christian Bale Batarang? <laughs> yeah. Have we, Have we? by the way, have we spent more time talking about like other and potential films that aren't this one? <laughs> I was just thinking we film. should drag ourselves back to this actual film. <laughs> because it's really this Because this actual film is is great. And do you know what? We we haven't really talked about the, the main thrust of the film because all we've talked about really is Savannah. So... Billy Batson, um, uh, crucially, in Philadelphia, which is nice. It's it's its own. It it, it gives the film its own like. Um, it just it just makes it feel a little bit more individual, and because it references Philadelphia and like mm. it has the Rocky jokes and it does a couple of things that are specific to landmarks around there. It's, it's like interesting that. because it's. Uh, because Captain Marvel has a fictional city within DC, it has Fawcett City, um, right. and they use Fawcett as the the high school. Obviously, they get their reference in there. Fawcett Comics being the um, uh, comic book company uh, that originally published Captain Marvel. Um, but uh, yeah, it's an interesting decision to. I mean, unless I I, I could be wrong, maybe the Jeff Johns uh, New Fifty Two stuff shifted it to uh, to Philadelphia. I think it's as you say. I think it's a nice choice because. Um, it's a film that's got a. It's a city that's got a bit of film heritage. Uh, <laughs> it is one of those ones that you recognise a bit when you see it on film. Uh, for me, it comes back to Trading Places rather than Rocky, but it's nice to get the Rocky gags in there. <laughs> I've actually been oh, there, me, so I'm like, I was well happy to be like, oh, I recognise that thing. <laughs> this uh, this is me, kind of the thing. Is... Though, that it, it gives it like this verisimilitude of like. What if a, a real kid discovered he was a superhero, and that yes, that somehow yeah. works better in a real city? It makes it feel more marvelly. Well, especially <laughs> the thing is, like, you have in your imagination, you've got Batman off in Gotham and and Superman off in Metropolis here, mm. but it sort of works to be like, hey, he's just an ordinary kid because he lives in Philadelphia. Yeah. He doesn't live mm. in a fictional city. He lives in a real city. Yeah. And my now my working theory now is that this movie, it's, it's a superhero movie in Philadelphia. Um, it's in the unbreakable universe. <laughs> there's no, there's no doubt in my mind. <laughs> that joke that I can see why he was training so hard to get to the top of the steps. Like, yeah, that is a great, amazing uh, yes. line. <laughs> I mean, and you know the scene where, um, where Savannah is drowning the actual the 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 hum the Billy Batson rather than Shazam, mm-hmm. and he, he just plunging his head into the water and he and he can't scream. I was like. Bloody hell! It's a good job he wasn't around in the in the Shyamalan superhero movies as well, because <laughs> he's got. If that's what he's doing with a whole fountain, think think what he could have done with a puddle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, uh, another thing that I loved about the setting was that this is a Christmas movie. Yeah, uh, joining the 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 pantheon of great superhero Christmas movies: Batman Returns and Iron Man Three. Yeah. <laughs> I, d- I was sitting there a bit like it's April. Why am I watching a Christmas movie? Oh, did you did you have that problem with your all time favorite Iron Man three? 
I mean, I did at the time. <laughs> oh, James! But now I just rewatch it at Christmas, so it's fine. Yeah, and this 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 will be one to rewatch at Christmas. Cynical, uh, very cynical. I I I I just thought it again lent it. It just felt fun. I like Christmas movies. I don't know why. I like movies that are set at Christmas, and I think I get a, more of a thrill of, out of them when they're released not at Christmas. Mm, no, <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I I love Christmas, but I don't agree with you there. I I I felt weird it all of a sudden being Christmas, even though you get good stuff out of it. You get the departments, uh, the the mall sequence, uh, the which is the first time we saw the cost the costume, and yeah, all don't like the Santa stuff. It's it's worth it for that, basically. Um, I guess course, it's yeah, sort of a little bit where of snow. we get that that little you know all I think I wonder did they always intend to make a big reference because that's what they knew they were doing or was yes. it as soon as everyone started to say oh this is going to be like big but for superheroes no. did they chuck it in there? yeah no, that's that the thing, was the right? first it, scene they wrote it feels like <laughs> it f- it sort of feels like it does speak to the theme of family right for it to be Christmas yeah but actually yeah, it sure. feels more like it speaks to Hey, we're doing big, but with superheroes, because yeah. they don't, you know, they don't have the classic like. There's no Christmas gathering, you know. There's a tree being decorated, but they don't have any, you know, Home Alone style Christmas Day moments. It, it, do you know what? It kind of comes back to what you just said. Kind of comes back to that, you know, the really boring argument about Christmas movies. And, you know, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? And yeah. is that a Christmas movie? <laughs> and, I mean, like, obviously Christmas isn't a genre because Christmas is a setting rather than a genre. It just so happens that most Christmas movies are also family movies mm-hmm. because family themes fit in so tightly with Christmas. So what people are really saying when they go, Die Hard's not a Christmas movie, what they mean is, it's not a family movie. Yeah. And and yeah, and that's and that's what that's how it ties in here. Christmas just kind of feels like that nice little shorthand of yeah, that's kind of yeah, that's because Christmas what we're is when you're with your family, but he doesn't have a family yeah. until the end of this film. <laughs> Can we talk about Billy Batson's backstory? Because this was, I Horrifying. thought, one of one of the <laughs> sweatiest scenes that I have seen in a blockbuster for a long time. This was one of the I things really liked where this like, movie. I was, you know how Seb said, like, oh, you know, this is, there are some some things in this movie that aren't for kids. <laughs> that yeah. scene where I was like, ah, uh, like, if you were a child watching this film, that is like the most terrifying thing <laughs> that could possibly happen. And like, I kind of yes, clocked but... how it was going to go as well, because I was like, there's only one re- way she could be alive, yeah. but not have him. And that's that she ditched him and he missed it. Yeah. Well, that's where I was like, the, the, the movie's setting it up as a mystery. And I'm like, it, can it can it be that? And then it is yeah. that. But her explanation for it is like, you know, I was 17. I was like, well, maybe you were 17 when you had him. You decided to keep him for three, four years. Yeah. Then he wandered off. You saw him sat with a policeman and you went... Uh, now I think I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what broke me. The day out at the fair is what finally broke me. I mean, me. <laughs> did they did they have a different... Because I wondered this at the time. Did they have a different performance of those scenes the second time around? Yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah, okay. Because yeah. I was a bit like, mm. they is this less rose-tinted the second time around? Yeah, no, he, he yes. remembers her as being really kind of upbeat and positive. Right, when okay. She's telling yeah. it. it's, it's quite nicely done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's nicely it is, done, it's only just... I didn't actually clock it. I was just sort of confused. 
were any of us watching this movie? <laughs> well, no, to be fair, I didn't notice. I was just like, mm, yeah. wait, am I remembering or not? Because, you know, it was like two hours ago. So so I thought that was, I thought that like, yeah, like I say, a little bit sweaty, but it, it it's fine because it, it, it serves its job in the movie. Um, and I, and I thought it, I thought it made for a nice introduction to the character when he is, when he's trying to find his mum. Because what you've basically got in 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 a very short space of time there when you introduce the character is here is a kid who's got a tough life because his mum's not around and that has kind of led him down a bit of the wrong path. And he just doesn't trust anybody and he's kind of doing it all on his own. And I, yeah, that's what I mean. I, do you know what? I, I, I really liked all the stuff early on. I liked the two kids getting to know each other. Um, and I liked meeting all of the, I, I like meeting the family in the house. I don't think, I, I don't think we really get to know any of them really well, but I felt like we got to know all of them enough that I cared about them all individually mm-hmm. by the end of the movie. Yeah, I, th- I think, I think, I guess with Pedro, it's a bit, I mean, they, they chuck in a couple of little bits later on to sort of, to kind of make him fit. I think all the stuff with Dala is fun. Um, I really like the parents as well. I think that that, that does a lot to kind oh, of to yes. sell the the family and the family. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I oh, I wish I had those that, parents. <laughs> well, it's the, yeah, but it's the fact that it it obviously shows them as this kind of this you know these these brilliant idealized people who who take in all of these kids. But it also does show them worrying about whether they're doing it right and and being concerned for Billy and and like when when Billy runs away, the fact that I think they make a reference to the fact that like Mary had run away a couple of times, mm-hmm. and it kind of plays on a fear for them. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, I I think everything that the film does with like the family and the family dynamic is is really well played and and it's really heartwarming, you know, which is a a nice thing for for this kind of film because it's and it's touching on themes and stuff that that these films haven't really done but that i think are are going to be relatable for a lot of kids watching and i i really liked that first scene with them in the car where they clearly kind of like pre-scripted this like little performative yeah. bit, <laughs> bit of stuff for billy and it was like it was like hey i know we're foster parents but we're not like your regular foster parents <laughs> and at the same time as they were saying that where and he's like ah, right okay but you can tell that just that they aren't your regular foster parents; that they are mm. just like, like, like as the as the movie intimates, like all of these other foster parents have said. Now, nah, once he run, once he's run away, we don't want him back. And yeah. you know, from the moment they walk on screen, that they're not going to turn they're not going <laughs> to turn their back on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was lovely. And yeah, I kind of i i liked i liked all of the kids. Um, Ian Chen is who plays Eugene is really fun. He um he's been starring for a few years on Fresh Off the Boat um as as one of the kids in that sitcom and he's really funny in that as well. Um and yeah, you're right. They give they give Pedro a couple of things, right? The the implication is that he is a gay superhero at the end, right? Mhm. Oh, I missed it's that. Just a, well, <laughs> Seb. Come on. <laughs> when they come out of the like gentlemen's club, um, yes, he oh, says yeah. not my thing, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> and it is, and it is a quite you know, it's a it's a nice diverse group of superheroes at the end. Mm. Yeah, I mean, let's be fair, it's more diverse than Marvel managing ninety percent of their movies. Yeah, I mean, they're getting there, but they're getting yeah, there. You're but right. This is like, 
leaps and yeah. bounds like just the fact that they have heavily implied a character as gay yeah puts them well <laughs> beyond any marvel movie where yeah. they have heavily I implied still... that no person is gay in the entire universe i still whilst whilst that is there i f- i still think there is a massive gap between implying a character is gay and like showing a gay character on screen <laughs> Yeah, uh, because there is, Dis- but it, but yeah, right. It's more than Marvel have done. Yes, no, that's true. But uh, like, it is. Uh, this is a wider Hollywood problem. It's it's nice that they've established it because because hopefully they will then explore it or at least show it on screen in a sequel. But Disney did that, like, oh, uh, there's an exclusively gay moment in Beauty and the Beast with LeFou, and you go, what does what does that mean? You you can't just like. You can't just continue implying or nodding to the fact that not or, everyone or is JK Rowling saying it on Twitter. <laughs> yes, that no, and that's but that's exactly that's exactly part of it. You know, like it, it's it, it feels like a bit of patting on the back to say no, 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 you know, we're, we're diverse. Like we've got a gay character. Like like okay, cool, but like if you, you really ever... squint, this guy might be gay. Yeah. You've just you've told me he is rather than show me he is, and you haven't actually told me. You've just kind of gone, oh, he, you know, if you read that line that way, he, he might be. Um, and so it's not something to get on Shazam for because I think that they have they've established something there that they could explore in a sequel. Um, but Hollywood really needs to figure this out and fast. Mm-hmm. And apparently, Eternals is going to have. Um, one of its lead characters be gay. Which... <sighs> Why would they do it in Eternals? Come on. <laughs> the film Eternals. Anything but Eternals. No, yeah, I mean, guys, we'll get to this on our next minisode. That movie is looking pretty good to me right now. Um, that, Go and read yeah. some Eternals comics and then come back and tell me what you think. <laughs> I would have... Re- you, uh, that would have happened with so many superhero movies that ended up being good. <laughs> good point. <laughs> yeah. This is the person who this time last year had completely written off into the Spider-Verse, so <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't let you damn Eternals already. I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be great. It's gonna be this it's gonna be our winner of the copy for best new superhero film in twenty twenty. We'll see. <laughs> um Yeah, so the family are lovely. The family are all lovely and they're all really nice. Um, and we we spoke about Freddy in the spoiler-free section. Can we talk more about Freddy? Yeah. Freddy <laughs> is wonderful. And, like, uh, just reminded me of of kids that I knew when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> he felt like a real character, but also kind of a perfect fit for a nerdy superhero movie. He's he got fe- that he like, like he's got that energy to him the whole way through, and then just as you're thinking like, oh yeah, he's good, but he's a bit one note. They like drop that sort of sadness element of the there character, a, where he's saying like, definitely... oh, you're just jealous, and he's like, fuck yes, I'm jealous. Yes, that's <laughs> that. Oh, that's a great scene. Yeah, yeah. I think when you get that is is one of the points at which that there is a way that you can look at this film that this is not a film about a kid who becomes a superhero. This is a film about a kid whose best mate becomes a superhero. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's the co- he's the concert as well. He ha- he has to have good chemistry with Asher Angel and with Zachary Levy, and he does. It's and impressive like that-, that the that that scene at the convenience store is in the trailer almost in its entirety, 
but is still tremendously entertaining in the film. Oh, like the in, bit in where he says longer the bit version. where he says shoot 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 him in the face. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think what just, works. I mean, you know, actually, you know what's going to happen, but is because he's genre savvy. He really like you really identify with him as an audience member because mm. you're like, yeah, you've got a superhero here. Like, you know, but test also, his powers, shoot him in the face. Like, he's not fun. genre savvy in a um, you know, I'm a I'm a know it all nerd, and I'm sort of like sneering at this kind of way, which is a no. way that could happen when you have a genre savvy character in a genre film he is he is savvy about it in a completely wide-eyed this is absolutely amazing this is all of my dreams coming true that i'm getting to live this in reality kind of way Mm -hmm. and that just makes it so much more enjoyable do you do you know who he is he's seth cohen from the oc (laughs) he is like i mean seth cohen never gets to in the oc become a superhero but he gets to write comics and he interacts with Stan Lee and he he, mm-hmm. he like he does kind of end up living out part of that dream. And this character does feel like such a straight line to like this character is just Seth Cohen ten years younger, or yeah, however old Seth Cohen is supposed to be, probably not that much younger. <laughs> um it's just that, that that show cast adults as teenagers, as most of the shows of the era did. Um and it, it, I, I did, I did. I mean, because I was a, I was a fan of the OC at the time. Um, certainly, You're perfectly that, in the age bracket for it, aren't you? Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I mean, basically, I, I fall just outside the Dawson's Creek age bracket, so I hit the OC <laughs> instead. And the first scene of the season of the OC is genuinely great TV. Um, and it's yeah, it's it's lovely that that character and the Adam Brody get to come back and do this, and and. And that it, he's so perfect. <laughs> I, I, I can't. It's still, it's still blowing my mind slightly that I, I didn't click that he was Seth Cohen <laughs> until Adam Brody turned up. But I was like, as soon as he did, I was like, oh my god, it all makes so much sense now. <laughs> and I would just say, he, in, uh, in in relation to the to the OC, that I, I prefer the prequel series, the OA. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We'll leave. We'll leave that in. And, and, and <laughs> leave the, the silence. silence in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and do you know what? Like, you would what you would watch the sequel to this movie if the leads were Freddie and whatever his what what so what so what are the rest of the the names or what what should the names be because. As, as, call... I, as I said at the start in the in the managing to spoil it uh, spoiler free section, they they don't really have superhero names yet because they haven't been in enough comics to to, to have established them. I don't. But think what was what would his name have been? Call them. Well, he's what Captain... would Freddy's name. Fre- Freddy is traditionally Captain Marvel Junior. Or right. in the nineties when they when they kind of realised. Uh, I don't know why it took them this long to realise, but when they realised that Captain Marvel Jr. can't tell people what his name is without transforming back into Freddie Freeman, um, he started calling himself CM3 because Captain (laughs) Marvel was CM1, Mary was CM2, and he was CM3. Uh, In the 90s, he he called himself CM3 when he was in the Teen Titans. Uh, But yeah, traditionally, he's Captain Marvel Jr. Um, Oh, man, right. Can we go right back to the start? And can I tell you a fact that you don't know about uh, superheroes who are kids transformed into superheroes? 
Elvis Presley's 1970s <laughs> stage persona with the costume was based on Captain Marvel Jr. And I don't mean on Captain Marvel, I mean on Captain... He was a massive fan of Captain Marvel comics, and Lovely. he was a fan of Captain Marvel Jr., and he based his look on Freddy Freeman. That's why he has the giant collar, right? And that's what, yeah, and that's why in Kingdom Come, um, when they're, they're all adults, the Marvel family are all adults at that point, and Freddy Freeman is drawn to look like Elvis, basically. <laughs> Lovely. But so, so he would have been... So originally you had Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel Jr., Mary Marvel, and yeah. then who were the others? Or did they all have they all always existed? No, no, that that was it in the original. All of the others right. were created by Jeff Johns uh, in the New Fifty Two, which is which is presumably why it's even more. It stands out even more that Mary Marvel doesn't really get a moment at the end. Yeah, because mm-hmm. because she is you know she's been around almost as long as Captain Marvel. Yeah, and, and as soon Freddy. as Mary turned up in the film, um, I was like, okay. When they're going to do yeah. that, then it turns out. And as I say, and it's, it's it's the fact that you know they 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 give her character a story of her own, and they give her scenes on her own with Shazam. So it's like you know she, other than Freddy, she is the most interesting and developed of the family. So to just basically render her mute when they're having more fun with the other ones in in the final bit. It, it, it's baffling to me. I do wonder if uh, they thought, well, we're going to do more with her in the sequel, so let's leave her a bit of a well, blank slate towards the end. I don't know. You can never tell why these decisions get taken, but yeah, it does feel the, like the point something, was, something got missed out there. The point I started off on there was that I would happily watch a sequel where Freddy and um, and Adam Brody are kind of like the, the leads that time around yeah mm. but equally I'd, I'd like to see more with mary marvel uh I, I i i just thought that as soon as that team turned up i was like uh, it's great that you've turned up now but i kind of wish i'd been watching an entire movie that had this yeah my or, real wish for the sequel is that they don't somehow you know yeah. depower them immediately in act one which i kind of think is what they will do i the, do you know the reason i don't think they will is that because obviously the temptation is to go, oh well, you know, now we'll we'll spend another whole movie with with just um, Shazam, but I think they've probably already reached the limit of what you can do with what's yeah. fun about yeah, him in this fair. film on his own, which is he's the kid learning to be a superhero in in an adult body. They've done that now, um, so I think I, I think there's less of a danger of just going back to just another film about him. Even though going into this film, you would have thought this is setting up a load of future Shazam films. Yeah, I mean, I, I would Marvel. also like to see um, Mr. Talkie Tawny turn up with the talking <laughs> tiger. Lots of great tiger. I really liked the recurring yes. tiger motif, yeah. and it's never commented on. But I remember picking up on it when we saw the first pictures of the costume. Yeah, the 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 tigers on his medallions. It's they never say anything about it, but I read that as a subconscious thing of that's the bit that he that his subconscious adds to the costume is the the tiger thing because that's what's on his backpack because it's the thing from him yeah. as a kid and I genuinely did get a little bit choked up when he gave the stuffed tiger to that little oh. girl to to sort of make her feel better. I was like, oh, that's a really nice touch. Yeah, that was a, that was a lovely little moment. This movie's just nice. Yeah, the, the, and that's what's really, really nice. About it. Because there's a there's a version of this film that's really cynical, and actually the version of this film that's really cynical is Kickass, and actually Kickass. <laughs> I, was, is a great I film. was about to say it's <laughs> Kickass, right? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it would be so easy, and I think even when they first said, "Oh, they're doing Shazam as a comedy, and it's Zachary Levy," I think you could you could have you could immediately picture them going in a 
not like a nasty direction, but certainly uh, not as wholesome a direction. Because I'll yeah, point bit, about Captain Marvel. A bit, more, a bit more Deadpool, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. De- Deadpool's a good comparison. And it does edge into that in places, but it just it does it in such a charming way that even when it is being a little bit kind of sophomore in some of its humour, it's it's fine. It gets away with it because so much of what's around it is so charming. Equally, I think the fact that it has that stuff does balance out you know because the difficulty i would have always said about doing a captain marvel movie is captain marvel is too clean cut and too nice it's like where where's the character there and what they've done is they've zeroed in on exactly what um giffen and dematis did when they put him in the justice league which is that they played on the fact that he's a kid in an adult's body that that's the that's the interesting thing you can zoom in on in captain marvel and you can do a different personality with that kid and in in those justice league comics and also in to an extent in jerry ordway's power of shazam stuff in the 90s um what they play on with billy is that like billy and mary feel like they've been transplanted from the 1950s they're they're such ridiculously (laughs) innocent kids um so so that kind of work he doesn't really play it for comic effect as much but it it does give you something to kind of hang it on in relation to the dc universe around them this has gone in a different way by making, you know, he is a very modern kid and he's a troubled kid. And so his reaction when he becomes a superhero is very different to the Billy Batson from the comics. It is the, it's the Billy Batson from New 52. Cause that's, you know, uh, he's someone who I could criticize for a lot of things, but a lot of what's good about this movie comes from what Jeff Johns has done with the character and, and has really kind of established with him. So, you know, fair play for that, basically. I, I, I think actually Mary is the, is the character I'm most intrigued by beyond this. Because you fancy Because I think... Well, I mean, she's she's beautiful. <laughs> um, but also, she's... Um, I, I like the... I, I liked the, the... The kind of the... The very brief bit of characterization, characterization about her being kind of torn up about whether to go away to college. And, and like I said, I thought that scene where Shazam talks to Mary and is saying all the stuff about family... And she's giving him the opposite, which is basically, I've kind of got my dream in front of me, but I'm I'm scared to take it because my like because I finally got this family, mm-hmm. and if I leave, do I do I risk that thing? And I think that that is compelling in and of itself. And you add the superhero stuff on top of it. Um, I'd love it if she was the center of the sequel rather than. Well, it depends. If Rather she goes than... to college, she could get her own film. Yeah. Well, you just you cut back and forth, don't you? It's <laughs> fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, I just, I mean, there's just a lot of stuff about this movie that I liked. I think you're right that the Mark Strong stuff is the <laughs> weakest. Is the weakest, yeah. Um, I, I feel like maybe slightly, you know, maybe even just to, to sort of uh, forgive them slightly for it, it's just they've kind of gone... Well, we've got Mark Strong. He's he, he's reliable. Um, yeah, we can. Ju- you know, we we don't have to give him too much because whatever we give him, he'll he'll do well. And say so there's nothing wrong with his performance, but it's just you know you know he's capable of more. You know that he can sort of he can play a villain, but he can also he can have more fun with it. And you look at like what he's done in things like Kingsman, um, yeah. and I just I I want to see a bit more of that Mark Strong because I I never don't enjoy him when he's in films. I'm just frustrated that, yeah. This, this is sort of. It's what weird I mean, that of though, all films. When I, it's weird that of all films, the comic, the 
the comic book movies that Mark Strong has popped up on our <laughs> radar for. It's weird that Kingsman kind of gave him the most interesting character yeah. to play. <laughs> Given everything else about it. Yeah. I mean, this is sort of what I mean, though, about, like, that this sort of feels like a kid's film that's had a few swear words chucked in to try and keep it keep it above a 12A, which is that Mark Strong's character is so, like, thinly sketched. Like... It's like a child's version of what a villain is. It's just like, oh, he's well, bad and he's chasing us and he's hitting us and stuff. And it's like... There's a version of that character, though, that is full... That is full, like, just kind of, like, mad scientist almost. Like a pastiche of a villain. And I don't think he's that. I think he's just boring. I think if you really went in that direction, actually, you could be doing some fun tonal stuff in the movie. But, like, he as Where, as... like, this kid... Where this kid who... Uh, do you know, it, I mean, Seb, you talk about like a character coming up against someone who's just like him. I, I, it's probably more interesting to see a kid who imagines what a supervillain is like. Mm. <laughs> and that's, I mean, there, there is a point, isn't it? That sort of, yeah, even though he doesn't literally transform from being a kid into being an adult, there is that sense that he's never grown up from being the kid because he's mm-hmm. devoted his life to this obsession. Mm-hmm. He's never become an adult. He's just got this childish obsession that he, that he's had all of his life. But then he doesn't get to be the villain, either. Mm. No. And then, yeah, uh, James, uh, let's talk about that scene in the boardroom. Uh, It happens quite early on, and um, I don't know whether this is just a director who has worked predominantly in horror, kind of not being able to (laughs) Not being able to switch it off. But we we just didn't need that. (laughs) Yeah, right. I mean, this is one of the few scenes in the film that that stops it. Like, obviously, all the swearing is, you know, there there are maybe like ten or fifteen shits in this film, which that that stops it being an all ages film. The other thing that stops mm. it being an all ages film are the sort of graphic violence in that boardroom scene, and it's weird. It's because not even the... graphic because they're not showing you anything. It's just what? Why would you make? those choices yeah i mean the like the level of violence being inflicted on people is quite bad from a start like Mm. checked out a window fine getting your head bitten off by a giant like terrifying monster probably not fine and sort of and in a way the scene lingers for too long Yeah, in a way like all you needed was him saying like that's not power this is real power cut to the security guard outside and people slamming up against the window yeah, yeah. And that's yeah, enough. Yeah. Like, if anything, more terrifying because the, let's face it, the CGI on the Sins was really bad. Mm. Like, that's, of anything in this film, that's the one thing you can go, hmm, that didn't work. Mm. It's just they look cheap and they don't move their mouths when they talk. Like, why is, what's that about? Like, it's fine when they're statues, but I don't know. It, it feels like a weird choice. Mm. And yeah, just that, that whole scene. It sort of feels like it's from a different movie. Well, and then it it makes it weird that then this when the sins are around for the rest of the movie, like for for a, for a long time they're just attacking kids and random people around <laughs> and not that actually fair. killing them. Yeah, well, not doing any damage to anyone. Like the amount of time that it takes them to knock over the Ferris wheel, <laughs> and you're like, but you have you eviscerated people. Mm-hmm. You literally bit their heads off. What's why? Why, why yeah, are you why struggling are you so much so, now? Why are you holding back now? 
And especially yeah. because they're I positioned did... as like the the real evil behind the villain, and yet they don't they don't seem to have any goal. They're just doing what he shouts at them. Mm. Like, what's their agenda? And if they are, and if they are the like literal embodiments of of the sins, then I could see that you could do some interesting stuff with yeah, them. like them possessing they, characters they... and screwing things yeah. up or something, but. But the movie doesn't really care about them. They're just... Yeah, it's just character designs, right? They say, oh, that's gluttony, so he's got a big mouth and a massive stomach. Or, like, that's greed, so he's got four arms. But that's literally it. Yeah, I mean... They they are, like, plot function-wise, they're like, you know, your Ebony Moore and the Thanos' little minions, aren't they? Mm -hmm. But but with at least two of those in, in, in Infinity War... They made them interesting in a in a short amount of time mm-hmm. mm. um, because they're different. They, they've all got different looks and personalities that are clear. From I mean, admittedly, with with one of them, I think it's just it's the big brutish one. But yeah, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, definitely doesn't work. Um, what did work more were uh, you know I I the movie is funny. I think without. Without, I think, replicating what Marvel do. I think Marvel kind of like... because What Marvel have done is the... Obviously, when Joss Whedon was brought into script Doctor on phase one and then <laughs> and then actually be the, the guy behind the Avengers, then was involved all through phase two. So that the kind of... The Marvel humour got... It ended up being the Joss Whedon pattern yeah, like, of like, like quippy let's and clever, quippy clever joke in the middle of a scene, uh, and we're just going to carry on. We're not, we're not often going to linger on on the humor. Yeah, we're going to um, undercut the moment. Yeah, whereas this this felt most of the time like the jokes were well, a lot of the humor was just like these two kids hanging out with each other and like being kind of like wide-eyed at the situation they'd found themselves in well that again this is um, this is the all ages tone is that a lot of the humor is yeah, like yeah, yeah. slapstick and like it's funny because it's you know it's slapstick rooted in character but you know there it's things like him punching him in the nuts yes like yeah. that <laughs> is such a kid's move because mm. like you know no adult no adult male is going like good on you like they're all just going oh god why I I also <laughs> like that in the follow up to that, like when he sort of when he's like flying him up towards space, uh, Shazam's reaction is that he's sorry that he punched him in the like he thinks yeah. that the reason that he yeah. got yes, so angry yeah. at this point is because of what he's done there. And it's like no, he, you know he wants to kill you and take your power, yeah. and not just that he's annoyed because you punched him in the balls. Yeah, um, but I think the movie does actually pause to do flat-out comedic stuff a couple of times, and the best example is Mark Strong's villain monologue. <laughs> Which is wonderful. That, that's probably <laughs> the closest this film gets to Deadpool. Yes, and, and to and to taking the piss out of the genre in a in a really light-hearted way, which Deadpool gets right most of the time, yeah. where it's like we're making fun of this, but in a way that, but we also want to be a part of it. Um, and I thought, I, I thought that was really nice, but what it, what it does also bring into focus is that this is a movie that 
has so many opportunities to poke fun at and to take piss off the DC universe and has no intention of doing that. Mm -hmm. Like, all of the Batman and Superman references. I mean, when when Mark Strong and Zachary Levy are flying around Philadelphia and fighting each other in the sky, well, you, I mean, you could be doing all sorts of references to, you know, kind of the destruction that that Man of Steel got got ribbed for mm-hmm. and um and you know and and then, and then like like with the kid fighting with his Batman and Superman um action figures yeah again i thought i thought oh are they gonna, are they going to do something here i was, I was, was literally no, was just... wondering like are they going to do a Martha reference but they didn't they were admirably yeah. restrained on it <laughs> so i mean it's fine i would i i i'd like to see dc kind of going yeah, yeah, we get it, but I, but I think they're also probably aware that there's the thing is, <laughs> right, there, so, there are people suddenly who... so far they can push things without completely alienating yeah. the people who are diehard. That's the thing, fans. right? There are people who who actually like that stuff, and you know, me and Seb are on record of, of thinking that Martha moment is not as dumb as it gets yeah. the <laughs> gets the stick for, because you know yeah. it's a long-standing piece of law that no one had ever really picked up on until now, mm. but. At the same time, as, as we discussed, it, like, it it might not be flawed in its conception, hugely flawed in the execution. Yeah, fair. But like you, you, you know, you don't want to piss on your previous movies to make the current one look good. And I think it's probably right that I mean they get away with it in Teen Titans Go, but the tone of Teen Titans Go is so way out. Oh there. yeah, no, the tone of what well, Teen Titans is as well taking the that is literally taking the piss out of everything. Yeah, there everyone, are no prisoners in Teen Titans Go. Like everyone, yeah. everyone gets it. Yeah. So, like, in, in terms of flat-out comedy, one of the things that I love about this movie is that the, um, you know, they bring on Superman, and then the the final moment of the film is just, like, Freddy's reaction. And it's just this, like, sort of pained scream. Do, do you not think it's quite interesting that the film ends with someone reacting loudly to something and then going into a Ramones song? <laughs> where, where have we seen that before? <laughs> when when the Ramones played, I was like, you can't use the Ramones. Spider-Man already staked the Ramones. Like, <laughs> yeah. But it was a bit like, I mean, that, that sort of drove home to me something that I hadn't thought throughout which is that if this film's close to anything in, in terms of tone it probably is home i did think that freddy like freddy uh, what's the actor's name again um uh, the young actor yeah. the guy who plays freddy yeah uh jack dylan grazer yeah i did think that jack dylan grazer's comedic performance if anything was close to tom holland's <laughs> Like it's got that same. In, in I, you know, I, he'd be a good Peter Parker. Yeah, <laughs> and I think he's his own thing. I, I'm not I, saying yeah, it's identical. I, I, I don't just, know. I, I can see the line between them. I know why you would. I know why you draw the Spider-Man lines, but I, I, at no point during this movie was I thinking of Spider-Man. Oh no, I me neither. Just... It was only when I came out I was like, oh, that was yeah. a bit, bit Tom Holland, but more so. <laughs> I t- uh, speaking of Jack Dylan Grazer, I think some of the stuff that that works the best is when he's arguing with Zachary Levy after the after the the bus has fallen down mm. and i just thought this is a kid convincingly absolutely berating the superhero and like the uh, the way that Sambo shoots it it's it's over Shazam's shoulder 
and you can just see, and like yeah, the angle like is so down on him, yeah. Yeah, and it's such a severe angle to have to look down on to to do that over the shoulder shot, um, and he's just and he, and he's just completely tearing him to pieces and completely justifiably. Um, and yes, Jack Dylan Grazer is really funny, but he does he does nail all of that emotional stuff as well. Mm-hmm. I think he's for me he's the MVP of the movie. Yeah, absolutely. So, I'm, with that bus scene as well, I think that was that was the other bit. I mean, I said before about the 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 tone, the, the kind of what I felt like the wrong tone stuff being mostly early in the film. That bus sequence was interesting because it, obviously it is a kind of it's a hero moment with him catching and saving a bus, um, which you know couldn't um, couldn't help but make me think of the tick. Yeah, uh, but yep. it didn't really come off in the same way. And I think part of the issue was the fact that you know that he's caused it, um, but also. Again, that sort of it, it added that kind of I think slightly unnecessary violence with the way people were kind of falling and smashing themselves <laughs> against the window. It was a bit like, well, even if he saves their lives, which you know he's going to, he has still caused them all to be, you know, fairly badly injured. I mean, I, the the overriding feeling I had in that scene was like, oh god, he doesn't know what he's doing. Like he's yeah. he's got which this yes, and he doesn't know it. how to save it. Like he's got the no bit with skills. The dog was great. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the dog uh, when he's trying to put the bus down <laughs> was a nice little that was a little bit some days you can't get rid of a bomb yeah. <laughs> um, but nicely I, that's what I really liked about that bus scene though because it was I thought that's the one thing it really landed there and it's perfect because it lands it just before he meets the villain for the first time mm-hmm. of oh my god he has got no idea he is like it, uh, like kind of like Captain Marvel uh, as in Marvel, Captain Marvel. Um, this is one of the most powerful, one of the most powerful characters in this universe. One of the most, uh, you know, with the, you know, all of the Atlas, Zeus, Hercules, mm-hmm. Achilles, all of that. But he, but he doesn't know how to use it. Yeah, and he so, can't save a bus. Then when he, when, yeah, um, and so it's it's kind of perfect when you get when then Savannah turns up a second later, and you and uh, that for me completely sells you on like, oh my god, yes, he does need to run away. He just needs to run away <laughs> because he's gonna like he's gonna get so badly destroyed here. Um, that was the other thing. I think Savannah like, I think he should have been better with his powers as well, right? Because realistically, he should have been able to turn up and dish out some real damage to Shazam. Yeah. But he doesn't. He just plows him through a toy store so we can do the big reference. <laughs> I mean, that was a good reference when it came there, right? Uh, I mean, it was... Yeah, it was on the nose. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I guess, I guess they had to do it. So we haven't... Speaking of... Of you know, the villain. We haven't really talked about the first post-credit scene, have we? Oh no. well, yeah, let's. Uh, let's <laughs> Joe, let's... what do you think happened in that scene? <laughs> well, so I only know because I've googled. It <laughs> yeah, you googled. <laughs> what the hell did I just see? Yeah, because because as I said, like um, in the credits, Dwayne Johnson's name had popped up, and so I was like. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's just reminded me. Maybe, maybe we're getting Black Adam, and then we get to this to the sequence of the cell, and I see a bald head, and I'm like, "Oh, no, no, it's no, it's still Mark Strong." Okay, yeah, that's like, weird. I was expecting the Rock. 
bit. Mm-hmm. And then... I wasn't because I had obviously seen something earlier in the film that you guys hadn't seen. Which was? Right, well, well, let's let's get to that in a second. Um, <laughs> so, so, so I'm like, right, so, all right, someone's talking to him. Okay, what? And then, and then eventually I see what it is. And it's a little worm, and I'm like, oh, is that like a robot that's being controlled, or <laughs> like, could this still be a Black Adam thing? And no, it's just a two-inch talking worm who yeah. I now see has telepathic powers and a genius intellect. Yeah, and it's... he's called Mister Mind. <laughs> Mister Mind. <laughs> I I tweeted, uh, well, maybe about a week or two ago, probably longer now. Because Shazam posters started to show up everywhere, like around around by where I work. And even though, obviously, I knew this film was coming, that was the point where I was seeing posters on bus stops in central Manchester where I was just, I cannot believe that we've reached a point in, in the rise and rise of comic book and superhero movies where we're getting a, a Shazam, a Captain Marvel movie. That's That's just so out there and ridiculous to me. I'd now like to upgrade that to... I cannot believe that I'm sitting here in in space year 2019 <laughs> and talking about a movie that has had Mr. Mind in it and set up Mr. Mind as the villain for a sequel. This absolutely just... outclasses like any Howard the Duck reference or any Adam yeah. Warlock reference. Like this yeah. is so, as so... as dumb as comics get. So yeah. I so so I Google Mr. Mind right, <laughs> yeah, and his Wikipedia page is Mr. Mind and the Monster Society of Evil, yeah. And so I'm scrolling down the page, and I've got memberships in the in the teams, and this is from the Captain Marvel Adventures, the Monster Society of Evil. Uh, Mr. Mind is the first one who's on the team, followed by Adolf Hitler. <laughs> and I'm scrolling down the list: Benito Mussolini, <laughs> Captain Nazi. And then, but then this is the reason I bring this up is the next thing then piques my interest. Crocodile men, a race of humanoid crocodiles from the planetoid Punkus. Um, so does Mr. Mind have something to do with all of the doors that were being opened earlier on? The Monsters Inc. sequence, as it, as it reminded me at the time. Possibly. I mean, I think the crocodile men are obviously, though, obviously, yeah, that, that appearance is a reference to the crocodile men there. I think there's also. I suspect that that uh, a character called Sobek, who's in the DC series Fifty Two, may himself have been a reference to the Crocodile Man, and there's possibly kind of a reference there. It's a Black Adam associated character because um, Black Adam is very prominent in in Fifty Two, the DC miniseries, which also Mister Mind also uh, spoilers turns out <laughs> to be very prominent in. Um, in a quite Mister Mind gets a quite horrific kind of upgraded chrysalis uh form which if you're if you're icky about insects which and butterflies and stuff which i am a little bit <laughs> if you're um, icky about butterflies i am i'm sorry i have a very butterfly no one ever suspects <laughs> no one ever suspects the butterfly <laughs> uh but anyway yeah it's a it's a quite horrific page in 52 that reveals mr mind in in his upgraded form um but he is he's an alien worm <laughs> that's that's all i could really say he is from he is venus a wor- he's a tiny He's a tiny worm from, yeah, Venusian worm who is a telepathic genius level intellect who has to speak through a little voice box thing around his neck in order to be heard. Um, but he is one of uh, Shazam slash. He is basically a Rick and Morty character, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you, you had seen him earlier in the film. If you, I don't know if you noticed, but when you. No. When uh, in the early sequence, when young Thad goes to uh, the Rock of Eternity. 
uh, it, the camera first pans oh, is past that, is a that jar. Oh, is that what that's called? With, yeah, the Rock of Eternity. Pans past a jar that's got Mr. Mind in it. So I <laughs> saw that and was like, oh my God, it's Mr. Mind. And then when you see it later on when it's all been decrepit and destroyed, the jar is broken and Mr. Mind is gone. <laughs> I totally did not Right, that. okay. Yeah. So I, as soon as I heard the voice in the cell, I mean, to be honest, pretty much as much as soon as it cut to the cell, I was like, are we doing something else here? Then the voice comes in and I'm like, it's Mr. Mind. And I was just... I was just sat there thinking, I cannot believe I am watching Mr. Mind talking to Dr. Savannah. <laughs> yeah, see, I was looking at the scrolls on the wall and going like, ah, oh, there's hieroglyphs. Is this Black Adam? No. <laughs> yeah. And and so what was going on with the doors? Is that, a, is that a thing? I don't know it if it is. It may well be, but I don't know it. I mean, I, I assumed that those doors were all of the doors that Shazam had opened looking for his champion. Probably. Um, I mean, they didn't seem to go anywhere nice, though, did they? No, and 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 like I say, so the crocodile men—that's that is a DC thing. But then the others, I didn't, I I, I don't know. Did it, did they look familiar to you at all? They just had CGI no. behind them, didn't they? There wasn't. Well, I I I wondered whether maybe it was it was Sandberg doing maybe a reference to one of his to one of his horror movies. I wasn't. Sure, because I think I think he's got a couple of there's a couple of little things in here that he's ref, referencing his his previous work, <laughs> and it was a, a character from Lights Out has a cameo here as a social worker. <laughs> yeah, and and um, Grace Fulton was as say was in Annabelle Creation, which is quite good. That's the only other one of his movies I've seen. Um, the first Annabelle movie I thought was dreadful, and Annabelle Creation is is pretty good. So. Okay, uh, so that was uh, Shazam. Guys, do you have any comic book recommendations based on the <laughs> I have one recommendation, which Seb has already mentioned, because it's basically the only Captain Marvel-related comic I've read. And you probably won't get to it either. It's 52. Because for some <laughs> reason, I read all of 52, because I was like, oh, that seems interesting. Um, everything I know about Black Adam and Mr. Mind comes from 52, because they're quite major characters throughout it. Yeah. 52 is um, 52 is not the same thing as the new 52, but it's where DC's obsession with the number 52 began because it was a weekly series that they did in 2006. Yeah, was it that long um, ago? Fuck. Yeah, and it, it ran for 52 weeks. It was 52 weekly issues. Oh, I'm um, so old. It was a load of writers working together, writers and artists working together. It was like Grant Morrison, Mark Wade, Greg Rooker, and Jeff Johns, I think, were the, were the four writers yeah. on it each kind of taking different strands because it what it did was it told the story of a year in which Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman were absent from the DCU um, and dealt with a load of other characters with various things going on. So Booster Gold is one of them. Uh, Ralph Dibney, the elongated man, uh, is prominent. Um, it's where Renny Montoya becomes the question. Mm -hmm. Spoilers. Um, and uh, yeah, Black Adam is very heavily prominent in it as well. Black, I get a lot of people's interest in Black Adam and and the development that he's had in the last ten years or so comes. Yeah, because he's he's originally. in this as kind of an anti-hero, which is yeah. I guess that was a new move for him, was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, Fifty Two is great, uh, but is kind of tangentially relevant to this film, I think. And also, mm. I do heartily recommend reading it. It is one of my favourite ever DC Yeah, films. I think if you come out of this um, film with questions about Black Adam, that's the place to go. Yeah. I think if you I think if you want some Shazam stuff, I think The, the Power of Shazam, uh, which is a, like a four-part um, graphic novel written and drawn by Jerry Ordway in the early to mid-90s, that was basically them sort of 
retelling the Shazam origin and kind of bringing him into DC and sort of updating him. And that's where they, they spun an ongoing series out of that. And if you want sort of old-fashioned but still a bit modern version of Shazam, that's the one. Like, all of the kind of original trappings and stuff are there, and it is a little bit old-fashioned because it's Jerry Ordway, and he's quite sort of... He's quite an old-fashioned guy, uh, but also a, a fantastic artist. And, you know, the sort of... if So if you want kind of the trad Captain Marvel, that's the place to go. Um, but actually, ge- genuinely, there, there is a collection of what were actually backup strips in Justice League that is essentially volume one of New 52 Shazam by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. Um, and I remember reading the first chapter or so in, in backups of Justice League and not really liking it because they'd kind of done this slightly more unlikable version of Billy as the kind of runaway. Um, and I wasn't that keen. And then I went back and reread it in full like about six months or so ago as preparation for this and really enjoyed it. It, it holds up really well. It is also... It's almost exactly this movie. It's different <laughs> in some ways, but almost everything that this movie does comes in some way from the Jeff John stuff, with the exception of the fact that Black Adam's in it and he's not in the movie. But almost everything else, it's, it's even things like he makes the wizard Shazam black in, in that comic, where, which he wasn't before. So it, that, that wasn't a change that was brought about by Jim and Hounsou being cast because it was done, you know, like five, six years ago. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah. So it's that is, as I say, surprisingly, because it's a recent-ish Jeff Johns comic, um, it is really worth it. <laughs> Strong recommendation. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, uh, we'll move on to our final section now, which is the pitch. Um, who went first last time? I think it was me. I can't remember. Okay. Who it was. Yeah. Right. Okay. So Seb, uh, I'm gonna gonna need you to go first this time. Um, I, I, basically, I'm decided. I've decided that I like Shazam, but I want to flip it slightly. So, pitch me a movie where a superhero turns into a kid. <laughs> um, uh, a sequel to Logan um, about Laura as Wolverine. That's turning a superhero into a kid. <laughs> <laughs> right. I see what you've done there. I like the movie. I feel like you've not really stuck to the spirit of the question. So, James, it might be an open goal. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I'm sure I can turn it around. Um, my pitch is Batman gets turned into a child and now, you know, Bruce Wayne's whole thing... So he's Richie Rich. Well, Bruce Wayne's whole thing, right, is that he lost his childhood because his parents were killed and it fucked him up. So what becomes of Batman if he becomes a child again and he gets gets the opportunity to maybe relive those years in a more well-adjusted fashion? Then he's rich. So, <laughs> well, my thing is, right, he's not actually been turned into a child. The Joker has just made him think that he's been turned into a child and he's trying to say to him, like, hey, you're a kid again. Everything was a dream. But it turns out he's still Bruce Wayne. He gets the gadgets. He gets a tiny little bat costume and he beats up the Joker. So look, James, there's this film from 1994 with Macaulay Culkin in it. It's called Richie Rich. <laughs> yeah, but Richie Rich meets the Joker. That's my pitch. Could be a river, another Riverdale spin-off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like, I like that your pitch was, what if we do Batman, but now he's a kid and he's well-adjusted? <laughs> What if we did Batman and all the things that are interesting about Batman are not there anymore? 
it, it's like Batman, but not Batman. But no, he's yeah. still, you know, he's still adult Bruce Wayne in his head, but he's just being told like, no, no, don't, you know, you that was all a dream. <laughs> Go play in your mansion. I like it. I also like as well that that which it's rare for you, James. You've taken the question completely seriously. <laughs> Um, but you've gone so badly wrong, and I'm going to have to award the win to Seb. <laughs> it's always worse um, when I, I try. It was quite good. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I, I mean, I would, I would watch that Laura movie. <laughs> so that's fine. Um, okay, uh, so Seb wins the pitch this week, um, and that is it for this week. Um, the, the busy April has kicked off. Um, look forward to lots of podcasting from us over the over this next three or four weeks. Um, if you're enjoying the show, then please do subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or your podcast app of choice. Um, and you can su- support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash cinematic universe. Um, you can find our t-shirts on Redbubble. You can find more episodes of the show at cinematicuniverse.com. You can get in touch via Facebook, on Twitter at cine underscore verse, or send us an email to editorial at cinematicuniverse.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. What are we doing? Hiding inside a whale. I got this from Pinocchio. Cinematic Universe returns in two weeks' time with Aquaman.